0: Alright, well good morning again. We're so glad you guys are here with us. It's a beautiful day out today. You could be a million other places, but you're here with us, and so that's not lost on us, and so we're so glad you guys are here. A uh, couple extra of announcements They may have been in the video, but a uh, big one, volunteer dinner. So every year we celebrate our volunteers. It takes over 100 volunteers every week to put on Journey, and so if you volunteer in any of our ministries, uh, just a reminder that we have our volunteer dinner. You can sign up for that on the app, um, and so that's a fun night. We provide dinner for everybody. We have some funds. We also do a lot of giveaways. We want to make sure that every volunteer walks away with something that night. So, if you're a local business owner or if you are like make products or whatever and you want to donate anything to give uh, to our great volunteers, you can stop by the Welcome Center and see April or talk to Casey uh, to make sure that we appreciate our volunteers as best as we can. Also, CIY Superstart uh, is a a great program for fourth through sixth graders. Today's the last day to sign up. So, if you have a fourth through sixth grader, uh, they go to a big church, it's a big conference here in town. Uh, We're going to spend the night at a church. So, you get rid of your kids for a whole night. So, it's worth the price just for that. and so that is coming up, uh, so make sure and sign up if you have 4th through 6th grade. Next weekend is the youth retreat, so middle school and high school. Last day to sign up for CIY SuperStart and youth retreat um, is this today. And so if you have a middle school, high schooler, or 4th through 6th grade, get on the app sign up for that. There are going to be great experiences for your kids. Uh, If you don't download the app or don't have it at downloaded, please go ahead and do that. Uh, It's going to tie into what we're talking about today as well. Um, So download the app. It's the best way to stay connected. Sign up for things, all of that. So today we are wrapping up our new series, and I want to introduce um, one kind of idea. So we've been kind of talking about this idea of newness and new ways to approach life and our faith and different things like that. And So there's going to be one approach that we're going to take, one step that maybe some of you guys have been considering or thinking about, uh, this is really close to my face, and uh, so, uh, so we would love for you guys to consider that, but I want to set it up properly. And so here's one thing I think that we all have in common, whether we've thought about it or not, and maybe you haven't, but I think it's kind of this universal thing, is that all of us as human beings, at the end of the day, we want to be known for something. There, there's some, some words, some adjectives that if people were to describe us, we would like to be known for. So when we come to mind in other people, what is it you actually want to be known for? What are the things that you want people or hope that people would say about you or say are qualities that you have? What are the things that, you know, if you put it out there, it might hurt your feelings if people didn't think that about you? And so what are those things? What do you want to be known for. So in the spirit of transparency, uh, we've talked about this before, um, I'm going to start with myself, and this is not about me, but it's going to kind of set up, and I want to give you an idea of what we're talking about. And so when we answer the question, what do you be known for? What are the adjectives? What are the descriptions you would hope that people would say about you? <clears throat> so first of all, <clears throat> let me cough. Um, I would like to be known as a great husband, a great father, and a good friend. And those are like simple things, and hopefully that if you fit into those categories, those are things you'd like to be known for. Uh, some other things, and I'll be a little selfish, um, one of the things I want to be known for uh, is being intelligent, um, and I'll tell you where that came from. When I was in seventh grade at Hebrew Middle School, um, they would divide us, so you had two hallways, you had hall A and hall B, because there were so many of us we divided into two hallways, and it kind of became known uh, that all of the smart kids were in hallway A, And then the not-so-smart kids were in hallway B right now the teachers never said that but we all knew okay and uh, I got placed in hallway B which was very offensive to me and I was talking about it one day with one of my friends and this is actually what he said he said but you're like the smartest kid in our hallway and I said but here's the problem I'm the smartest kid in the dumb hallway I was like there's something there and so ever since then I've been wanting to know it as intelligent and I fought real hard next year to get in, in this the A hallway and I did all right so uh so I want to be known as intelligent uh you guys may not know me. I love to coach. I love to coach sports. I coach many different sports. Uh, I want to be known as a great coach. I love coaching. I love helping people reach their greatest potential. I love working with students and young people and helping them see this potential. I think sports can do this in people. Um, I want to be known as reliable. I want to be known as trustworthy. Um, and maybe for here, for Journey, the thing I want to be known most for is I want to be known as a leader worth following. Because there's a lot of people that lead, but the question is, are they actually worth following? Are they actually worth following what they're saying and listening to what they're saying? And so these are just some of the things that I want to be known for, the descriptions that I hope that people would either say about me or be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And so now, what about you? What do you want to be known for? What adjectives and descriptions would you hope that people would say about you? Because we all have an image, all of us, that we kind of want to protect. We want people to think of us in a certain way. When we come to people's minds, like I said, we, we want them to think about us like this. And we go to great lengths, some of us, to make sure that these are the things that people think about us when they see us, that this is what they see in us. But the question is, what happens when those things don't measure up? What happens when those things don't align? What happens when I want to be known as this, but the reality is, is I'm not that? What do we do? How do we deal with that? What do we do when when this image that we want to protect isn't actually the image of who we are? And the the answer to that is pretty simple. We pretend, don't we? We pretend like that's who we are. Or, Or what we do is we go out of our way to kind of manage this image so that people believe that about us. So if there's a certain lifestyle or a certain way you want people to perceive us and it doesn't actually line up with who you are, you will go far out of your way managing this image. And essentially what you're doing is you're just kind of making it up. You're just kind of going along. And the problem with managing an image that doesn't actually exist or isn't actually who you are is over time, you actually become an imaginary person. You're not actually real. You're just managing this image of what you hope people want you to be and what, how they want to and how you want them to perceive you. And so you become an imaginary person because that's not even who you are. And the problem with this, and we all do this, this is a cultural thing, is that when we spend so much time managing an image that we know doesn't actually measure up with actually who we are, it becomes almost impossible to be authentic. It becomes impossible to people actually to know who you really are. And because it's impossible to be authentic, it's also impossible at times to have authentic relationships, authentic friendships, because a lot of your friendships and relationships are built upon something that isn't even true. I think one of the biggest problems with pretending we're somebody that we actually aren't is when you pretend and start to pretend, you stop growing, because you're not actually becoming anything. You're becoming something imaginary. And so what happens is you stop growing, and so you get stuck, which has kind of been a theme in this series, this idea that sometimes we just get stuck in our faith, in our life, and in our relationships. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, uh, I relate to this and understand this a lot because, and again, this isn't about me, but this is reality. As a pastor or minister, Um, we are the worst at this, right? I don't know if you've ever been a part of another church before, um, but I'll just go ahead and tell you the dirty little secret. Uh, We are the worst at this because what happens is we want everybody to perceive us in a certain image. And so we have to be so careful when we go out in public and we go places and in conversations we have because we don't want there to be a gap in between what you think that we are And who we actually are. And so I will go ahead and tell you, every pastor, including myself, we understand this principle because we feel the pressure to pretend sometimes. Like we have to always be on. Because what we don't want and what I don't want is I don't want you to be disappointed because I'm not actually who you hope that I am. And so we have to protect the image. Now, the problem with that, as we've already established, is sometimes that means it's difficult to be authentic. And I'll go ahead and tell you my number one goal and what I do here is to always be authentic. I've kind of given up on pretending to hold an image, which is disappointing to some of you all. Uh, But I want to be authentic. I have to be who I is. The deal I made with God years ago when I got into this ministry thing was I'll do this, but I get to be who I am. And I get to have real conversations with real people, and I get to say the real things that I actually want to say. And I don't know if you're supposed to make deals with God, but so far it's worked out okay, all right? So there could be discrepancies and gaps. Now, you relate to this as well, because here's what I know about a lot of you guys. Church is the place, maybe not necessarily here, but historically, and maybe some of you feel the pressure here, which we hopefully want to relieve. You feel the pressure to pretend here, don't you? right and so what happens is you go to church and you will get you know come into the parking lot and you get into our building and right now you guys are all on your best behavior aren't you right? You're just you're just smiling and nodding. Some of you are wanting to fall asleep, but you're not, and it's, you know, it's fine. And so you're on your best behavior. You're trying to look happy. You're sitting next to your spouse, right? You're close to him. You guys haven't been this close in weeks, but here you are right here. You're sitting right next to each other, right? And so you, you walk in and your kids, you want your kids to be happy and you want your kids to be on your best behavior. And here's the thing. I already know it. You may have screamed your lungs out at each other all the way here in that SUV, right? I mean, you may have had an argument that started this morning about something, and, and you know, you're know you going at it with your spouse, with your kids, and then all of a sudden you pull in the parking lot, door opens up, smiles come on. Hey, brother, how you doing? Good morning. Yeah. It's a great morning in the Lord, isn't it? Yeah, right? You ever threatened your kids on the way to church? I have, right? You better not tell anybody, about what happened, right? You, I mean, and so we pretend because we want to manage an image. We want people to think that, hey, we've got it together and we're here and all of this stuff. Because, and we all relate to this, and this is not just about church, this is about everything in general. We fear that if people knew what we were really like, we fear at times if, the, the, if people knew what we were really like, that maybe they wouldn't accept us or maybe they would judge us. Or we fear that, like in a place like church, that, that if people really kind of knew what was going on in our lives, that they might not want us here, and we might not feel welcomed. And so there's this pressure at times to just pretend. Now here's the jumping off point in, in all of this, and you need to understand this. If people don't know what you're really like, they don't really like you, because they don't know you, right? Right? And so we can keep pretending over and over again, all they like is an image. All they like is the Instagram, the filtered you, right? You know, the image on Instagram is that everything's great and we're always on vacations or at the lake or our kids are always winning and everything's great. That's Instagram. That's what we want to present to people. But the reality is that's not reality, is it? Nobody posts the picture of their kid melting down. Nobody posts the picture of, you know, when the kid, you know, my kid's in archery. Not very good, but he's in archery, and, uh, you know, he did really good yesterday. But nobody posts the picture where he hit the backdrop the other week and caused the sign to fall down. You know, it's like, you know, nobody posts that one. we post the high score. You know, great job, Elliot, you know. So here's the thing. So we, we, we post all this stuff because we want people to think this is who we are. But listen, it's possible that nobody actually really likes you, Because nobody actually knows you, they just know what you pretend to be, or the image of what you want them to think that you are. And the problem is, until you face up to it, until you embrace who you are and where you really are, you can't often get where you want to be. And so we enter into church, we enter into these relationships with all of these different ideas, and we have this, and some of us, like our whole like relationships with people and friendships are built upon these images, but yet we're not really known. And here's what I want to talk about. I think that it's really powerful when you're actually known, when people actually know who you are. When they know who you truly are and they still accept you and love you. When you can find a group of people, a group of people where you can drop all the pretense, a group of people where you can be authentic, where people, at the end of the day, you know even with all your stuff. And we all got stuff. If you want to come in here, listen, if you want to come into this church and pretend like you don't have stuff, it's going to be rough for you, okay? Because we all got stuff. The person next to you has got stuff. This is supposed to be a place where this is supposed to happen. Church is supposed to be the place where you have the freedom to be the most transparent. Where we can all kind of say, yeah, we're all just, listen, we're all trying to do the best we can with what we got. We're trying to figure this out. And church was designed for that. Now, you may not believe that because your experience may have been, it didn't go like that. Your experience, and that's why you come in here and act like you're on your best behaviors because that's what you've been told we're supposed to do. Right? And you've had a bad experience where you got authentic, or somebody found out something about your life, or about your past relationships, or about who you are, and and then you got judged, or you got excluded. But the church is supposed to be the primary environment we can come together and we can actually deal with the stuff that's really going on in all of our lives. We can be transparent and authentic about it. Now, I get that that's really scary, okay? So the good news is the Bible, if you read it, there's some letters that get written to these early churches. Okay? And so if you've ever studied the New Testament, um, the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are kind of the telling of Jesus' life. Acts is kind of the history of the early church. And then the rest of the letters, for the most part, are primarily letters that were written to early churches and early Christians just trying to figure it out. Because they didn't know what they were doing just like we don't. And so they had to have some people guide them and this is what God wants for you and this is the best way to live and all of these things. And this is what Jesus wants for you. Now one guy named James, um, he wrote a letter to a church some churches. And he was the brother of Jesus, one of the early leaders in the church. So he kind of knows some stuff that he's talking about. And, and in the middle of his letter, he, he says this. Now, this is, is, this is, this is going to be a lot, okay? And we'll get to why he says this. But here's what he says, all right? And here's what he says in James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, we believe that the Bible can help us become the best versions of ourselves. So what I want to do right now is I want you to turn to the person next to you and confess your deepest, darkest sins, and then I want you, okay, so you confess your deepest, darkest sins, then they're in turn going to confess their deepest, darkest sins to you, and I would suggest you not go first, okay? All right? And so we're just going to take a minute, and we're going to do that, right? right. Some of you are like, I'm leaving. All right, we're not really going to do that, okay? But, but see, here's, here's the idea. Like, James, when he said this, it probably wouldn't have sounded as weird as it sounds to us because, you know, this pretend thing, this cultural, this image thing has become so much of us. Now, our thinking is I'm not going to confess my sins to anybody. And, and just so you know, sin is the idea of missing the mark. It's actually a term that's used in archery for missing the mark. All of us, me included, at certain places in our life, we miss the mark. Now, so, so when it talks about this, it's saying confess the areas in your life in which you've missed the mark. Now, our problem is I don't want to confess my sins to anybody. I'm just going to confess my sins to God. All right, And that's what we want to do. I'm just going to keep it between me and God because I don't want anybody to know what's actually going on. I don't want anybody to know what's actually inside of me. I don't want to be... Known. And the problem with not being known and not willing to talk about the things that we actually struggle with with other people is this it sets you up for other problems. Like, you know what? I don't know what's wrong in my marriage. I don't know what's wrong in my friendships. I don't know why I'm so lonely. I don't know why I'm so miserable all the time. I don't know why I feel all of this anxiousness and worry. I don't know what's wrong. And the reason you don't know is because nobody knows. And because nobody knows the authentic you, nobody is there to actually help you. Nobody is actually there to walk alongside of you and say, you know what? Yeah, this is a struggle that that we have. This is a problem that we have. And so the whole point of James, he says, is the reason that you confess your sins to each other is not so that we have something to gossip about. It's not so you can look at that person and be like, what is wrong with you? The whole point of it is simply this. Did you catch it? He says, so that we can pray for each other. So that we can actually get healed. Because see, here's the thing. When I know that somebody knows the things that I'm struggling with, and I know that they're going to help hold me accountable, or I know a group of people know the things that I struggle with, guess what I'm least likely to do next time? That thing. Because I know that there's people that are going to be sitting there and being like, come on, man. Like, why do we keep doing this? And so listen, there is extraordinary power in being known. Now, years ago, When I was studying in college to become a minister, uh, we had these different opportunities that we could go and kind of learn different elements of ministry. And I will tell you, to this day, the most powerful group that I ever sat in. In fact, the group that I sat in that it was like, this is what the church should be most like, and this may be the group that we can learn the most from is I took about a month and a half, and I started going to, even though I didn't need to, let me preface it with that statement, even though I didn't need to, I started going to AA meetings. And I will tell you, there is no pretending in those meetings. And if you try to pretend, they will sniff you out so fast. And I went because I wanted to learn, but here's where I learned. These are groups of people that are done pretending. And they don't want to pretend anymore. They don't care that people know. Because they actually want to get help. They actually don't want to keep struggling with this over and over again. So they're willing to stand up and say, hey, my name is, and this is what's going on. And I remember thinking, if the church could tap into that in some way, where we could alleviate that pressure that you're going to be, and listen, there's no judging there. Because they're all in it together. So if we could just do that, and I know that would be weird. See, the reason you all laughed is because that would be – and I would never, ever ask you to do that. That would be super weird if I was like, we're going to start here. Just go ahead and tell your sins, and we're just going to go right down the line. That would be super weird, and I don't think it would actually help. But what Paul – I think what James is talking about is this idea of having these relationships, these people within your local church that struggle with things themselves, that you can come together, feel confident, and be known by them to actually get healing. Here's what another pastor said, or writer said, sorry, in Hebrews chapter 10. He said this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So what this writer is talking about is this idea of the church is coming together and they're spurring one another on. They're, they're, they're helping each other. They're trying to bring out the best in each other. They're encouraging each other. They're actually intentionally taking time to say, hey, h- how do we work together? How do we do this together? How do, how do we make each other better? Now, that can happen on a Sunday morning. You might be inspired by something that I say, or you might be inspired by something that we read from the text or a quote that we give. That happens. But the way it's going to happen best is when you have a group of people that are walking alongside of you that are intentionally trying to help you become the best version of yourself because they also know your weaknesses and they want to spur you on. They want to help you out in this. He goes on to say in verse 25, he says this, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And you guys know who you are, okay? Um, but encouraging one another, that was a joke. Okay? We don't track attendance here. But, but encouraging one another, right? Okay, and so what he's saying is this is not a Lone Ranger thing. This is not a you don't need anybody else. This is not that type of thing. This is not how it works best. How it works best is you have people that you're regularly meeting with that you're spending time, you're encouraging each other. Because here's what you need to know in case you don't, and I think that you do, but they knew and we know. This is hard. Life is really hard. And if it's not hard right now, just wait. It's coming. It's going to get hard. And you know what? Faith is hard. It can be difficult. It can be a struggle at times. And so these early writers, what they understood was, hey, it's going to take people working together doing it, being known, being authentic, if we're going to become the best versions of ourselves. I saw this study recently, and I thought it was worth mentioning. 35% of Americans said that they don't have anyone they feel like they can confide in or trust. 35%. So one in every three of us in this room, if you were to really think about it, you're not sure if you had somebody you had to confide or trust that you'd even know who it was. Now, what was interesting is you take away immediate family. So take away like your spouse or maybe like your mom or your dad or something like that. That number goes from 35% to 75%. 75% of Americans, if you took away their immediate, which I know for most of us is our direct source, but if you took that away, they don't even know who they would go to if they needed to trust somebody or confide in somebody. 50% 50% of Americans did not know who they would turn to in an emergency situation. 50% were like, if something pops up and it's like this big thing, I don't even know where I would go. Galatians chapter 6, it says this, and I love this verse. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, all of us, me included, have burdens that we have to carry. There are things we struggle with, there's things that's going to come up, there's hard seasons in life, there's difficulties, there's all this stuff. And and, and so here's the thing, the Bible says we're supposed to help carry each other's burdens. But see, if all we do is pretend and nobody actually knows who you are and knows what's going on and nobody actually knows what your burden is, then how in the world are they supposed to help you carry it? And then what ends up happening is you end up isolating yourself. And now all of a sudden that you were not, this thing you were not meant to carry and you definitely weren't meant to carry by yourself, all of a sudden you feel all of the weight of that. Listen, some of us in this room are dealing with and struggling with things that, listen, you just simply weren't meant to carry. It happened, but this is not what God's best plan for you was. And then some of you, and you know the related to this, you've been trying to carry stuff for so long that you do not on your own have the strength to carry. And then it weighs you down. And then I love what the verse says. It says, and in this way, what you're doing is you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what does he mean by that? So right before Jesus is crucified, he sets down all of his disciples and he kind of gives them these like last commands before he leaves. And what he does is he takes 600 plus commands or ideas of the best way to follow God in life and he boils it down to just two. Love God and love people. That's the law of Christ. And so what this is saying is is when we help each other carry each other's burdens, we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ, which is simply to, to love each other, to help each other. And this is what Christianity is supposed to be about, about a group of people that are done pretending, being authentic, being real, being known, and helping each other as we work through this difficulty that is life. And when we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. And then it says accepting each other. And this is a big part of it. If you're going to be known by somebody, it has to be someone that's willing to accept you as you are, right? Accept who you truly are. And the reality is, and I hate to tell you this, that's probably not going to happen in here. Because you know what here is? here is 30 minutes of me telling you information and you don't get to respond. And if you did and you kept doing it, I would call security and they would take you out. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but here's the thing, that's the truth. Like, this is just like a lecture. Like, you're just hearing it. And so, you know what? Like, yeah, I wanna be authentic. Some of you feel like you know me really well because you listen to me every week and I, I want you to know that. But you need people in your life that are walking alongside of you step in step, not just somebody you see once a week. See, in here is awesome. I love in here. I love what we do in here. But what we're talking about is something we have to be more intentional about. See, if you're going to get through the hard things in life and the difficult seasons in life, you're going to need something more. And the reality is it may not always happen in here. And that's why I need, and that's why you need, and that's why we all need a therapist, right? Okay, no. What we all need is this, and it's the thing that I've been involved in for fifteen years. What we all need is circles. Circles are better than rows. I make a living off of rows. But circles is where real life change happens. Circles is the IAA principle of a group of people getting around in a circle, cutting through all of the pretense. All of the imagery, all of the things that don't line up with what we hope people are and what we actually are, and people who are willing to pray for you, encourage you, help you, love you, people who, who you might actually really become friends with. By, by the way, did you know, we often downplay friendship. Did, did you know that friendship is a part of discipleship? Jesus says, like, right before he's about to leave, hey, now, guys, you are my disciples, so you're learning to be like me, but now you're also, I consider you my friends, This is where the action is. This is where the essence of church happens. That we're able to confess your sins to a group of people and realize they're not going to kick you out. They're not going to judge you. In fact, what they're going to do is they're going to pray for you. Now, this is leading up to something that we're going to challenge you guys with here in a few seconds, but uh, the idea is circles, and so getting into small group people. so the, the terminology that's used mostly in church is like small groups, okay so we've maybe heard that before, or life groups or whatever. Um, and so my very first small group that I got into, I was about 24, 25 years old, and um, so seventeen years ago. And I got into this group, and the, this group I get into—the <laughs> very first group we get together. Uh, you ever have like somebody in your life that, like, you know, it's important that we get to the point where like we can talk to each other and share these deep, dark things, um, but they don't understand the context of when that's appropriate right? And so we're in our very first group. I've just met most of these people really kind of for like the first time. And we sat down, and we're having dinner, and then the guys broke off, and the girls broke off. I don't know why we did that, but we did that for some reason. And we're sitting there, and we're like, hey, how's it going? You know, how's everybody doing? How was your week? And all of a sudden, this guy, just out of the blue, was like, guys, I got some real problems. And for five minutes, just unloaded the deepest, darkest things that he was struggling with. And I remember just sitting there being like, well, that got heavy real quick, right? But do you know what was amazing? Not one person sitting in that room said, man, you suck. <laughs> Not one person was like, you know what? This isn't a good fit for you. Not one person judged that person. And I remember sitting there in that room and saying, listen, if, they, if we can accept this guy, like, then maybe they can accept me too. And so that's the importance of finding people that care about you, that want to help you reach your full potential, even through all of the muck that all of us have to walk through. Because this is what church is supposed to be about. This is what Jesus is supposed to be about. So here, here's what we're talking about. So in case you haven't picked up on it, um, over the years we've had different variations of like small groups. And so small groups is essentially where you get a group of people together And you kind of do life together for a season. You get together once a month, twice a month, and you just talk and you share. Uh, You study, you pray for each other, you share a meal together. And there's all kinds of different ways that you can get in circles. Um, One of the great ways to get in circles here at Journey is actually to serve together. You know, if you serve in a ministry, like the band is really close. I know a lot of the kids' workers, the youth workers. So those are great ways to get to know uh, other people and to consider that. Uh, but we have all kinds of other groups we'd like for you to consider. We have like men's groups and women's groups. And so we have like a men's ministry, the Forge and Fountain and Flourish, which is the women's ministry. And, and these are groups where we get together in larger groups. And so the guys get together and talk and go shoot guns and do guy things. And women get together and talk about their feelings and all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, two very different variations there. But, uh, but it, it's groups where we just get together in a smaller context, not a big room, and people actually just hang out. But we also have some other groups t- together. I mean, some of the groups that I've been a part of here at Journey, I've got a group of guys that w- life is busy right now, but every, every once in a while on Thursdays, we just get together at Cluckers and just sit around and talk and watch sports and do all that stuff and just check up on each other and hang out with each other. But then we have like more formal groups, and that's what we're about to relaunch. And Our small groups here are simply where we come together with a group of people and we try to group you in kind of like-minded in life stages and all that stuff, um, where you just get together and you commit to meeting with these people and talking, praying, having a meal, becoming friends. Some groups are, are kind of social. Okay, in fact, here's what's, here's what's scary. That same study that I did earlier. Okay, and I didn't want to say this. Sixty-five percent of men, sixty-five percent of men, say they don't have friends. That's pretty scary. of men say they don't actually know if they have authentic friendships in their life. And so what we want to do is we want to encourage men and women, couples, singles, whatever that is, to consider, even if not this semester, at some point getting in a group. We want to give you the best chance possible at finding authentic community, not only in this room, but in circles. Now, we've we already have some groups that are going, and, and we, we' are putting some people in new groups and some forming some new groups. And I'll tell you the number one we have, need we have, because I know what I'm about to say, and then a bunch of you are going to sign up. We need people who are willing to facilitate and lead those groups. And I know that sounds scary, OK? All right, but but here's what we'll do. We're gonna give you all of the tools that you need. Most of the teachings, if you do video teachings, they're gonna be videos we can give you. We can give you sermon questions, all of that stuff. I mean, a lot of times it really is just groups getting together and just sharing life together and talking about life and doing things together. Okay? Now, for some of you, the scary part is if you've ever been in a group before, even here at Journey, and it wasn't a good fit, right? Don't raise your hand, but some of us have been in different types of groups and it wasn't a good fit, okay? Here's my question. You ever had a bad haircut? Did you stop getting ha- I mean, I did, but did you stop getting <laughs> haircuts, right? Yeah, so, so just because it was a bad fit doesn't mean that you can't. So if you're interested in being a host, a facilitator, those groups can meet throughout the week. They can meet biweekly, once a month. Some of them were you encouraging maybe to start thinking about meeting on Sunday mornings because it's the most convenient for everybody, but we need to talk to you, okay? So if you're interested in facilitating a leading group, if you're like, this is what I need, all right, we would love to talk with you. For everybody else, if this is something you're interested in and participating in a small group, now, we're going to keep offering these, so you don't have to all sign up today. Go on the Journey app, go small group interest. There's a little questionnaire that we, we're going to have you fill out, and here's why. Because we want to give your group the best chance of succeeding, and so we need to know, like, what stage of life are you in, you know? Here's a big one. Do you have kids, right? Right? That's a big deal if you have kids and don't have kids, and maybe you're looking for someone to help along with that. So we want to give your group the best possible fit. And so here's the other thing. Some of you, when you hear that, you're like, I don't have time for that. I get it. Life is busy. But here's what I would encourage you. Some of you in this room, you're like, I've already got a lot of friendships. I've already got a group of people I do life with. Okay, great. Make that a small group. Just be intentional about it. Just be like, hey, you know what, guys? Could we like pray for each other every once in a while? Can we like make this more of like a regular thing where maybe we're more intentional, right? Or, or, or you know, those type of things. So, so maybe that's all you need to do. And if you're interested in just forming a group, you already have a group of people that you do life with, that's great. There's your group. And we just want to help you succeed. Now, let me say this real quick as I wrap up, okay? So practical steps. If you're interested in facilitating a group, come talk to me, we would love to help you walk through that. Especially if you have some people you would love to already invite because you're already doing life with them and they might already be in this room with you or neighbors or whatever. If you don't have that and you're interested in a facilitating group, come talk to me, we would love to connect you with some people. For everybody else, if you just want to participate in a group, okay, go on the app, fill out the information, be, pray, be patient with us, but in the next month we hope to fill you into a group. Now, let me say this, you're busy, I'm busy, All of this may sound scary. The imaginary you that you keep trying to convince people that you are, that you're really not, doesn't have time for this and probably doesn't want to be a part of this. But that's the imaginary you. We want the authentic you. And the authentic you might be dying for something like this. People that you can actually do real life with. We all want to be a part of a place where everybody knows us, right? Everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came, right? (laughs) A place where you can have real friends and tell your real story and get real help. I understand the culture says protect the image, protect the image, but Jesus says I want you to come away from that. I want you to be who you really are, the authentic you, the best version of you. I mean it, and I say it all the time. It doesn't always have to be the way it's always been, and life can change. And it helps when you're trying to change life to know that someone is praying for you, encouraging you, helping you, loving you, accepting you. And sometimes, listen, they just want to be around you. Doesn't that feel good? I want this for you, and I want it for me. And that's why I'm convinced, maybe more than ever, over the last 17 years, that the best way to follow Jesus is to do it together. And we want to help you. All right, we wanna get you there. And so if you're willing, consider joining a small group, facilitating a small group, starting a group, or if you're already in a group, just be intentional about it because life is better together and we need to stop pretending and be our authentic selves so we can become the best version of ourselves as we go into a new year and a new stage of life. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, we thank you. God, I know that was a lot of information and I pray that you worked through whatever uh, clutter of words that was that I just put out there. But God, I pray that for some of us in this room, We are desperately wanting to be known. We want people to know who we are, to encourage us, to love us, to want to be around us, to to help us become disciples, God. For some of us, that means we need to get into a group where we're studying the word more and learning more about the word and learning more about the truths that come from these words. For some of us, God, we just need people that can hold us accountable and love us, where we can talk about some of these things that are going on and knowing people want to just help us and be around us and encourage us. And so God, whatever step that is for everybody in this room, I just pray that you give them the wisdom and the strength because that's what we need sometimes. It's just the strength to take that next step because it might be scary. For some of us in this room, God, we are, we're great leaders. We're, we're great people. And God, maybe we need to lead a group or consider starting a small group. For some of us, it's just opening up our calendar to want to be a part of something like this. God, whatever it is, I pray that as we move into this new season of life, this new season here at Journey, this new season here within our individual lives, God, that we are always working to be the best version of ourselves, the authentic version of ourselves, the God that we are are known by you, we are loved by you, we're accepted by you. And God, may this always be a church that lives the same way, that we know people, we accept people, and we love people. And so God, we love you and we thank you in your sons name, we pray. Amen.